one-two pitch is grounded toward third. Arias has it, stumbles, throws to first, and he did it! Matt Cain is the first pitcher in the 128 years of the Giants franchise to pitch a perfect game. There it is, the final out of Matt Cain's perfect game. It was the perfect thing to add to his resume because he had already done everything else. Playoff hero, World Series champ, all-star, Willie Mack Award winner. Why not toss in a perfect game? He seemed to do it all with a straight face, but Matt is a more emotional guy than it may seem, as evidenced by the time he and Bruce Bochy got into it after the 2008 season. You'll hear about that and all the accomplishments, too, as we go inside Matt Kane's Giant Moments. Now, now, now. This is Inside Giant Moments. Presented by T-Mobile, our franchise has countless memorable, iconic moments. Join Mark Willard as he connects with our former players who lived these moments to relive the emotions, the stories, and the joy. Matt Kane joins the Inside Giant Moments podcast. Uh, Matt, it is fantastic to have you. I've been looking forward to this one. Thanks for doing it. Oh, yeah, no, excited to do this. We, uh, you know, haven't done, I'm not sure I've done a podcast for this, so look forward, but um, no, looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good. Let's, uh, let's, let's dive in. Uh, a lot to go through here. Uh, you're about as decorated as a giant from this era can be. Uh, three rings, you only wore one uniform, and, and you're still a really young guy and left the game right as you were turning 33 years old. So, uh, even with that being the case, I, I'd imagine with what you accomplished, you feel like you got everything you could have asked for out of your career. Is that is that a fair statement? I would say that's actually 100% true, uh, is I did. I, I completely uh, went went all the way around and uh, felt like I had, com- I had gotten every bit of um, use out of my ability and that was that was really all I had left. Um, I didn't. I definitely didn't feel like there was. I didn't feel like there was anything left out there. Um, and you know that's why I was finally able to, to to come to grips with saying, you know what, that's 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 good enough. I think the the story um, of my, my my baseball career can be be satisfied. Uh, drafted by the Giants in '02. If you look at your story, it seems like. You were shot out of a cannon. I, that's easy for us to say, but I mean, you succeeded at every level in the minors. You moved through quickly, but but how would you describe that time? Were there any challenges associated with your rise? Yeah, I mean, there definitely was for sure. It was always a learning curve um, at, at every level that I went to. Um, but I was, I don't know. I always always enjoyed I always enjoyed challenges, and I still do enjoy challenges. Uh, I enjoy when somebody. Um, will put me in maybe a sticky situation and, and um, see if you know if I can kind of figure my own way out of it. Uh, and that was that was that was just me, and that's my personality, and I I love that. So being able to be kind of thrown into it at a young at a young age was something I was always accustomed to because I had an older brother, and I was always trying to keep up with him, and um, you know, so it was never that was never an issue with trying to work with um, some guys that were older than me and. I enjoyed the I enjoyed the learning process and it was fun for me. You know, because of the timing of when the Giants f- do give you that call, uh, some might remember it as a September call up, but it, it wasn't. You came in the last week of August. 
Uh, what do you remember about that day? What, what was it like when you got the call? You know what? I was actually, um, yeah, I mean, I was preparing to get ready for the off season. So I was, or in a way, I guess I was, because there was a little bit of time left in the in the season um, in AAA. But I was I was going to get some stuff, uh, some work done to my my truck I had, and was at the shop. And Kevin Franzen was there, or he was supposed to come and come and pick me up. Um, so I was about to drop it off, and then all of a sudden I get this call from a four one five number, and there it is, Bobby Evans, and he's just kind of like, hey, you know, this is what's going on. We're calling you up. Uh, we're gonna need you over here. Uh, tomorrow so you and Jack Tashner are going to ride up together and it was like what do you uh, all right let's go <laughs> so I had to cancel my appointment when I was going and you know and it was like all right let's just change the gears we're moving we're moving up to to SF and uh, we're going to see see what see what we have uh, in store for the rest of the year I'm assuming maybe Jack drove since your car was in the shop how did you get there <laughs> no 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 I was just doing some I was doing some just extra stuff you know I was okay. in a redneck I wanted to, I wanted to make my truck bigger you know so I had to make myself <laughs> feel good but um no that you know I just I, I didn't do anything with it I ended up taking it back to our apartment and uh the they had they had somebody come and pick us up in the next morning just to, probably to make sure that we would get there right uh, probably probably better liability that way <laughs> you know I always think of this too as the mark of a great player and Matt you don't see this very often what you went through you were called up and that was it. That, I mean, you, you were up and you stayed up. How did you manage to, to click at the big league level so quickly? Right upon arrival, you, you belonged. You know, I, they caught me at, I felt like, a really good time, too, because I was going into, uh, I went into AAA, um, and I felt like I was doing good for the first half of the season. And I don't know the numbers of what it was, but it seemed like at All-Star break, I – hit a little bit of a stride and I started to feel comfortable with what I was doing and what we've been working on since spring training. And I had been working on a slider that year and, uh, I had just, I had gotten a better idea of how to pitch instead of just go out there and throw. So all-star break hit and it just seemed to follow into that rest of that season. So I feel like I just got, they did a great job of picking it. I think a good time of, I was on a roll, uh, and for some reason, I just didn't think about it, and mm-hmm. I, I carried it over into September, into the big league, um, into the big league level. And just to kind of touch on it, you know, I was like, "Oh, this is easy." Well, <laughs> if you look at the number, if you look at the numbers in April for the next year, they're they're it's not as easy as it looks, <laughs> you know. So there was a there was a good chance that I was gone um, in April of next year, uh, and and Boach and, and Sabian sat me down. And we just had a little time out, you know, and they, they, they skipped a start. And it was the that was one of the better things that, that had done, they had done for me. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm imagining you, you just said it right there. When you were called up in September, you didn't have time to think about it. It was just like you're, you're on your way to the bigs, go pitch. Uh, but then when you have that really good September, you've got a whole off season and now a spring and all of that to think about the idea of succeeding at the big league level. And then when April comes around, you struggled. So do you think that that had something to do with it? Like the idea of expectations that were now sitting on your shoulders? Oh yeah, for sure. And it was like the, it was just a, it was just a whole different thing. I mean, the guys were probably getting very little video on me from AAA. So they were facing me kind of, unknown and all of a sudden well now they've got a little bit of a month's worth of 
you know, video from the big league level. What have I been doing? Uh, so now they're able to prepare a little bit more. So it was like, all right, hey, this is a wake up call. Like, <laughs> what happened in September doesn't doesn't you know? You got you got four or five months that that have uh, that have that have changed from now. And I wasn't in the same groove. So it was just it was a whole learning curve uh, that I had to go through, and it was a good one. I'm glad I did go through it. Uh, and it was it was you know it was what ended up building the rest of that season for me. Yeah, and the uh, the following year, I think you really became Matt Kane in this respect. I, I say that a little tongue in cheek because your stat line in 07 was so very Matt Kane esque, right? I think you went seven and sixteen, but your ERA was three and a half. <laughs> like you you were top ten in the league in ERA, but there are sixteen losses, which speaks to the lack of run support which Giants fans know kind of became a thing for a number of years. So I'm sure you're asked this often, but, but how did you deal with that? Um, you know, it was, it wasn't fun, um, <laughs> but it was, it was more of a, it was more of a, of a, of a situation where it's like, Hey, this is what we're kind of dealt with. Um, you know, it's not like they were just picking on me and not scoring any runs just for me. It was uh, we had a hard time scoring runs in general, um, so it was it was part of the game. But I think that it was that it would it, it made it made situations like the postseason games or games that mattered um, in the stretch runs uh, a little bit less stressful because they were so natural to be in close games for my entire career, but. Uh, do they take a toll on you? I wouldn't doubt if they do, uh, you know, pitching in close games for, for so long. I don't know that I've ever heard that connection get made where, where you're essentially saying, well, while Giants fans for years are like, gosh, hard luck, Matt Cain, you, you think you got something out of that that made you a better pitcher in the postseason? Oh, 100%. I definitely believe that. I mean, it was – I was I – was, all of us, we were never used to getting a bunch of runs. Um, and we understood how to manage a game. Uh, it took us some time to figure that out. Um, you know, the end of the 2005, 2009, it was, it was a lot of blown games, a lot of games that got away from us, but we started to understand how to manage those and, uh, we were able to take advantage of it. How did the locker room, the clubhouse, kind of stay together through a time like this? Were there private moments with other pitchers or even just with, your, with yourself staring in a mirror where you're like, Whoa, what, is, what is going on here? I'm, I'm pitching well, and, and, and it's, not, uh, it's not leading to uh, the right side of the scoreboard. Um, you know, I think, I think we just, we honestly, none of us, none of us talked about it. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Let's, let's pin the pitchers against the hitters, or the hitters against the pitchers. It wasn't. It wasn't about that. Uh, and, and and if if anybody kind of brought it up, it would almost be like, you know, hey, that's not that's not what we're about. We're not we're not doing that. And it would just kind of uh, kind of shrug it off, and it, it would kind of end the conversation. So it wasn't any drawn out thing that would ever uh, ever snowball into into a big situation. And and I think it was just an unspoken thing to where guys weren't weren't worried about it uh that 07 year was a big year for all kinds of reasons uh of course Let, let's start with the arrival of tim lincecum to pitch alongside you which 
Uh, it was mm-hmm. a very popular time for Giants fans, excitement at these two young homegrown pitchers. What, what was that relationship like? You know, Timmy and I, just we just fed off of each other. And it was the same as we were talking about with the, the, the run support or whatnot. We never really talked about it. But he and I were constantly trying to figure out who could throw more innings, hmm. you know, who could strike more guys out, which was pretty much just I was going to I gave that one to him. So <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, but it was like little, little things like that, that you never wanted the other guy to walk away with, you know, a bunch of innings at the end of the season over the other guy. And, you know, we kind of took it to heart. So we had that, you know, inner rivalry of, of, of competing with each other. Uh, reminds me of a conversation we had recently with Will Clark, and he talked about how he and Kevin Mitchell had a little bit of a dynamic. The two of them looked at it a little differently, though. Will, Will you know, wanted to kind of uh, take that energy out on the opponent. Kevin admitted, no, they competed. They competed almost against each other. Did you guys ever feel that way? Uh, no, I don't think we would ever really compete against each other. Uh, it wasn't ever, ever, well, I don't know. I mean, you are competing against each other, (laughs) but you're competing against each other in a positive way that's going to benefit the team. So it was never like, I'm never sitting there on the bench just hoping that he gets shelled, um, or, you know, all of a sudden (laughs) has a bad, yeah, it was just, it wasn't that that's, you know, now we're just going to get into bad teammate stuff. And it's like, no, I wanted him to do good. So I had to do good as well. So it was, we're going to sit here and prove each other until the other one can't prove it anymore. Uh, that time is also, of course, the arrival of Bruce Bochy. In, in what way did that impact you as a pitcher? You know, Bochy just made a good presence from the very beginning. Uh, he he ended up calling in the offseason in, in 2007. And I get a number, and it was like the same thing. I'm like, I'm not sure who this is it's calling, but I answered it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's Boach. You know, and it's, hey, this is Bochy, Bruce Bochy. <laughs> I'm your manager. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like really? You know? And it was, it was, it was one of those moments where like, Hey, I'm reaching out to my guys. I want to figure out what's going on. I want to connect with them. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try to guide you guys in the right direction. And that was, I mean, just something simple like that was, it meant a lot. And I I know I bet it meant a lot to most of the guys. Uh, Matt, you know, what is so funny talking to so many guys from the era. Everybody's got a Bochi impression. Everybody. Oh yeah. <laughs> you can't help it. Uh, who who had the best one? Uh, um, I don't know. It'd be it kind of. I mean, I, depends. I guess on which. Well, I guess it depends on which Bochi or, or which probably Rich Aurelia. He would do it. He did it. He did a really good job of it. But the thing is, is he was close to being in the same as him when he walks naturally. So I'm like, well, wait a minute, Richie, like you, you almost can't make fun of him because now you're going down the same road. Um, so it was, but he, him and him and Dave Roberts would sit there and, and do the catcher signs. It's like spot on, you know, it's just spot on. Uh, I love it. Um, speaking of having an impact on you as a pitcher uh, from the, the coaching ranks, I, I wonder what your thoughts are with regard to Dave Rigetti. I mean, he he was there for you from really the beginning to to the end. So, how did he help mold you? You know, he he did a good job of kind of just letting me be. 
Um, he 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 would do that, and he did that with most of. He did that with really all the guys. He would he would put us in check, let us know, hey, that's not that's not what we're about here. It's not professional. Um, but he understood that guys were not going to be the same. Uh, Timmy and I didn't throw the same. Uh, Brad Hennessy and I didn't throw the same. You know, he he understood that, and he would try to find ways to to get the max out of each individual's ability in the way that they did their 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 job. And I think that's where I think that's where Rags was a really good job. And he was a I mean he he was a competitor, so he took he took the outings personal, and he wanted to find ways to improve the guys, not just sit there and check stuff off of a box and say, Hey, well, you know what? I did what I needed to do. It's your fault that this happened. Uh, he was, he was in it with you. Uh, you know, the other thing that's going on at this time that I find fascinating is it's, it's a time of transition. There's not only the arrival of Boach, the arrival of, 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 of Timmy and, and you're getting established. It's also eventually the departure of Barry Bonds. And I, I think from a, from a fan perspective, that felt like such a shift in the in the focus and the vibe of, of the entire organization, the personality change. So, how would you describe that transition? Um, it was a it was uh, yeah. Oh eight was was a tough one. I remember that one. I mean, didn't we set some kind of crazy records on transactions from AAA and down and all around? Uh, it was uh, it was definitely tough, and it was it was tough because. Uh, as a as a player, when you saw other teams come in and they're succeeding, you're like, I want that, you know. I don't know whenever we're going to get that in, in our situation. All I are, all you are, is like seeing that your situation is not as good as uh, somebody else's situation, and it's kind of like I want that. Like, how do I get that? And it's like you're thinking about, all right, well, when is free agency? Am I going to get traded? Am I going to get this and that? And then you start to feel the movement of, well, wait a minute. All right. Oh, eight was a been transition. They're trying out guys. They're seeing what guys have. You start to see what they're able to bring in with the draft, uh, draft guys. And then you see those guys in spring training, they're translating. You're like, well, wait a minute. Those guys aren't that far off. And then it changes your focus of like, Hey, I don't want to be on another team. I see that our team is about to build into something special. Uh, let's hope that we can take advantage of it. And all of what is, trying to get molded together uh, actually pans out the way we wanted to and man it, it sure did yeah yeah right to say the least i mean so so maybe it's a little frenetic at times but but it was an optimistic feeling yeah it was it was definitely it was definitely a roller coaster of emotions on some of that because uh, you know everybody wants instant gratification and you just want the instant success and you never because you see so many guys that play uh, in, in their careers and they don't ever get that opportunity. And for, you know, from 2005 till 2009, I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, I was under the stand, understanding that I'm like, I'm never sure if I'm ever going to make the playoffs. I don't know what that's going to feel like. Um, and then you get like a little bit of it. They're like, man, we had, we had a pretty good season in 2009. That wasn't that far off. And you start to see that, that there's a, there's a, there's a, there's that little bit of hope at the end of it where like, man, if we do a couple of things right, I, I could see how it changes. Well, and, and this is, this is not just uh, an organization wide thing. I mean, you're, you're definitely linked to that. I mean, in 2009 is when I think uh, 
you went from really good to, to truly great. Uh, so what was going on with your maturation process that season? Um, you know, I, I think it started in 2000 and, um, in 2008, Boach really had a conversation with me. He, he saw that I wasn't putting in the work that I needed to put in, um, off the field. And it, it irritated me for sure. And it also, it, it lit a fire in me though, because it was like, you know what? No, I don't think I am doing what I need to do. Um, let me figure out how to how to improve myself to where every day I go out there on the mound, I've, I've got a little bit better chance. And I started to see that in 2009, making the all-star team being like, all right, hey, I can compete with these big guys. And then it just kind of translates. All right, we're on a good routine. What can we add to it? What can we add to it? How can we get a little bit better, a little bit better here and there, um, whether it will be workout routine um, or conditioning or just to get a, a little bit more knowledge on working pitches and stuff like that. It was just like finding ways to hone the craft and not just being satisfied with having a job up there. How long did it take you to go from the anger of the moment of the conversation to where you're like, no, let's, let's activate and, and do something. You know, it probably took a couple of days, uh, but it was, it was, it was, and it was awkward too, because it was in Kansas city. I'd come off of a good start and then we had a day off after um, after our conversation. So I had to sit there and mull on it for a whole entire day off. And, you know, I'm like, I disrespected Boach, and I felt like I was getting, you know, so it was like that back and forth of, uh, of I feel like I did stuff wrong. I feel like maybe he talked to me wrong. So it was like, all right. And then finally get into going to the office and, and sit down and talk with Boach and, you know, he did. He was just like, no, like that was a good. It was. It was a, I'm glad that we had um, the discussion about trying to get after it a little bit more in between starts and seeing that the potential is there. But he did a good job of being like, no, I'm, I'm all right with what you said to me. Um, and he he heard both sides of it. You know, I was like, all right, well, that's now we're now we're communicating. We're not just sitting here, you know, dropping authority on people. And I enjoyed that about Boach. He was he was open to to hear how. You know, I wanted to be approached about certain things if he had things that I needed to be done. You mentioned making the our team that year. Well, like what? Sorry, cut in and out of my own. Sorry, uh, you hear me okay now? Yeah, 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 I got you. Okay, okay, let me all re-ask that. I said uh, three, two. You mentioned the all-star team. What was that like? What did that mean to you? It was, man, it was like, yeah, it was, it was something that I'd always dreamed of, uh, of being able to make the all-star team, to be able to put on a different uniform and to be over there with the, the best players, um, you know, for the first half. And uh, I was looking forward to it. And then all of a sudden to get drilled in the elbow uh, yeah. the start before, uh, it was like that bittersweet moment. I was like, man, I, I'm not going to be able to pitch uh, in the game. But it was also like, kind of a relief in ways too, because I was like, well, I kind of just get to, I get to enjoy it and take it all in. Um, you know, so I bet it was, it was a little bit of both. It was that bittersweet of, of not being able to participate, but you know, I got to sit there and watch Timmy go out there and start the game. And, uh, you know, there was, it was, it was a moment that, that was so fun and it was enjoyable. And, you know, I'm just, I was, I was appreciative of being able to do it because you just know how, 
how many things have to go right to be able to be a part of be a part of that to be a part of the All Star team. Well, and the third time would be a charm when it comes to All Star stuff, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I also, before we move on from from '09. Uh, you win the Willie Mack Award, and, and a- anybody associated with the Giants knows what an incredibly special thing that is. So what were the emotions when, when you received that? Yeah, I mean, it was, um, it, was, it was a huge honor. I don't think I really understood what it meant until I got the award um, that, the, that my teammates all took that perspective of, of seeing me as a leader and, and a guy that went out there and motivated the rest of the guys um, to, so it was, it was a huge honor. And I don't think I really understood it until I, uh, until I did get the award and I, I understood that it wasn't just something that was handed out to, um, you know, thought into it for sure. I, do guys talk about the Willie Mack Award outside of that particular day? Like, have have your teammates ever expressed to you what it was they were voting for? What what things you did that that inspired them throughout the year? Uh, no, no, I I don't think it. No, I don't think it ever had brought up. Uh, I think it's just kind of like an unwritten. Guys are like, they see, they see the they see the list. And they're like, it's usually pretty obvious for some reason. It just always seems to be, and it's maybe down to one or two guys, but it is, it's usually, usually somebody always stands out. Um, and I don't know if that was in mine, but it was like when I, the years that I remember voting, it was like, yeah, that guy, it just, they, they led us to this point. Um, and it's kind of a no brainer. Uh, we've talked about, you know, kind of the uh, feeding off one another between you and Tim. Uh, halfway through 2010, here comes Mad Bum uh, arriving in, in the group. What were your first impressions of him? Well, his was my, his, my, my first impression was him in spring training, and he had, he had come up to right. me, and he was facing the Dodgers, and he was like, man, what do I need to do here? What do I need to do to get Manny Ramirez out? And I'm like, just throw him in the whole time. Throw him in. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, throw him in, throw him in. He's like, all right, I'll do that. Goes out there, <laughs> throw a 95, 96, jamming him, jamming him inside. He comes in. He's like, man, that really worked. I'm like, I told you. So it was like, all right, this guy's going to be awesome. He's, he's like, he's just, he's going to take it and run with it. And, um, you know, he was, he was full on. And we even see that, you know, today, that guy, that guy's never going to not compete. He is always going to compete, and um, that's that's what you want out of that's what you want out of your your, your head guy in the rotation. Uh, you've expressed the thoughts of going through times in your Giants career early on where you're like, I I, I don't I don't know if we're uh, if we're ever going to get to do the playoffs. So after five years in the bigs and the Padres come to town. And, uh, and they put the scare in you, but on the last day of the season, you guys clinched the West in 2010, and you're going to the playoffs. What's going through your mind that day? Um, it's a little bit of kind of like how the uh, – in the, in, in when it was when I got called up. I was, I was feeling good going into the playoffs. Uh, I'd had a rough start against San Diego. I wanted to be that guy that clinched it. It didn't work out. But I, I was like, you know what, that's one – 
now we're on to the playoffs. It was like a little bit of that uncharted territory. So, well, it was uncharted, but it was more of like the ignorance was bliss, and it was like, man, I'm just enjoying it. I'm having fun with all this. And I didn't get caught up in too much into everything that was going on, all the noise that was around it for some reason. And I, um, I had fun with it. I just was able to be kind of present and be in the moment. And, and, and man, it was there, – there really isn't – you wish that every game during the season could be the energy of a playoff game. But it's just not possible. There's just – it's to such an intensity – um, in those games, every game that you, you, you couldn't, you couldn't physically and you couldn't mentally, I don't think keep up with it. It is exhausting, right. but it is so worth it going through it. I, I mean, it, it's a real skill, uh, the way you meet these moments. And it's something uh, in, in, you know, in looking at your career and talking to you now that really stands out, which is that when you step into new situations in life, you kind of, and I'm sure it doesn't feel this way, but from the outside, it's like they just walked right in and was like, no big deal. Like, right now I'm a, now I'm a big leaguer. Now I'm an all-star. And now you go to that postseason for the first time, and you had three starts. You went 21 and a third, zero earned runs. <laughs> how, how did you manage that? Um, good defense. <laughs> I think I pitched it. <laughs> Well, I think I pitched at home too, though, didn't I? <laughs> you know, so it worked out. Uh, yeah. Uh, got to yep, take, got to take advantage of, got to take advantage of, of, of pitching at home. Um, you know, I mean, it was just, I don't know. I, I it, everything seemed to line up together, and I don't know for some reason I, I didn't give up any runs, and um, you know, appreciate it definitely now looking back on it because it's, uh, it, it's definitely not easy. Well, a couple moments in that postseason I'd love to walk through with you. First of all, like you talked about, you got your games at home. It could have been very different if Juan Uribe doesn't hit the home run in Philadelphia in game six. Uh-huh. Like you, you yeah. right? You were, you were next up. That was going to be your oh, ball yeah. game if it goes seven. So what are your emotions in that game? What are, what are you thinking as that's a tie game in, in, you know, in the late innings? I mean, in one way, it was please win this game because I'm terrified to pitch in Philly because it was it was not always my favorite place to go um, to pitch. I mean, it was more of because of the very first time that I went there, I just got shelled, and you know that kind of that kind of ran with me, and I ended up having some good success there. Um, but it was that you knew, I mean, it's like going to Colorado. You knew it was capable of getting out of hand really fast. And knowing that lineup, um, you know, it was me being a fly ball pitcher in that park was, was not going to benefit me in, in a lot of ways. Um, but I had, to, I, I had to learn how to do it. Um, but it was like, it was nice to not have to do it in a playoff game, game seven. Um, so, yeah, luckily I'm just I'm super pumped that a rebate hit that home. Right, <laughs> right. And then that leads to another home start, which ends up being game two of the world series and people will look at the score today and go oh nine nothing it was a laugher but that that was not the case for the majority of that game uh it was a stressful great uh game um fifth inning it's still a scoreless tie and you talked a second ago about using every every bit of the of the ballpark 
And you certainly did in the fifth inning when Ian Kinsler gets a hold of that one to center field that hit off the very top of the fence. What what went yeah. through in your mind when he connected with that one? Uh, I mean, it's those are tough because it, it in in ways you're kind of like I don't think he got it, and then and then other ways you're like oh the ballpark will keep it in, and then you're like well the wind depends on which level of the wind you get it up to, and you know he's you know you know he's got power, so it was like a little bit of a coin toss um, of when it went up. I wasn't exactly sure what was going to happen, you know. And then, I mean, the last millimeter of the ballpark kept it in. Uh, I mean, that ball could have easily bounced, I mean, a quarter of an inch higher and bounced over the fence instead of bouncing back into the ballpark. So, um, you know, you got to – that was somehow the the AT&T paid off for me right there. (laughs) Yes, it did. And uh, it ends up being seven and two-thirds shutout innings, and you're the winning pitcher in a World Series game. So, what did that feel like when you, uh, you know, when you hit the pillow that night? Yeah, that was. I mean, that was a relief because you had always wondered, like, hey, what will happen if you get into that situation? What will happen if you get the opportunity to play, um, you know, in the biggest moment of your, you know, childhood dream? Um, what will you do? And it was like, wow, I did it. I kind of did do it. Um, you know, and it wasn't about like, Hey, the stats or anything like that. It was just more of like, you're kind of worried like, Hey, will I just freeze up and will I not do anything at all? Or, you know, it was kind of the whole mix of emotions. And, um, it was, uh, it was, it was cool and it was fun to be able to sit there and look back and say that, um, man, I got the opportunity to play that because, play in the World Series because you, you, you never know when those were opportunities were going to come. Um, so you really took advantage of enjoying the moment, enjoying all of it. We're going to high fly ball to right. Scherholz over. Scherholz near the line and he makes the catch and that's the ball game. So the Giants behind Matt Cain in game two of this best of seven series. They beat the Texas Rangers tonight by a final of nine to nothing. This was a close game until the bottom of the eighth inning when the Giants scored seven times, and that made it a laugher. And then you just watched the next three. So how how did the emotions evolve over the next few nights? Like, how did that compare with with game five and, and the realization that, that uh, you guys had brought the, the first championship to the city of San Francisco? Man, it was uh, it was fun. It was it was fun to watch those next three games. Um, you know, all of them had all of them were entertainment, uh, and they were huge entertainment on both sides. And you know, go back like you sit there and you see Bum go out there and throw as a twenty-year-old and just just dominate. And he took it in stride. And you're like, wow, like this is this is the guy that we've we've been hearing about and seeing. You know, and the same with Buster, and then. And then Timmy, you know, it's like it, there was just so many good moments um, that led up to that. And then it was uh, to be able to partake in that, in the parade, going down, you know, Market Street, just always was, was deafening. You felt it the entire, how many hours it took us, you know, to get to the end. It was, and it was, that was a fun, fun parade. That was my, definitely my most memorable and most enjoyable one. Okay, quick pause to thank our sponsor, T-Mobile. It's never been more important to stay connected, and T-Mobile has taken steps 
to support customers along with frontline workers nationwide during these uncertain times. They've been amazing. T-Mobile responded to customer needs by increasing network capacity, lifting smartphone data caps, and increasing data allowances for schools and students in the Empower Ed program. They've also committed to donate $2.5 million to over 100 local schools and Boys and Girls Club of America, which provides childcare for our nation's first responders and healthcare workers, meals for families in need, and more. T-Mobile is committed to supporting customers, communities, and thanking frontline workers across the nation. Visit T-Mobile.com for more information. And now back to Inside Giant Moments. Um, you know, I, I imagine after something like that happens, when you guys come back the following year, life is life is different. I mean, now you're you know now you're the hunted and, and all of that, but then also just the the city and the vibe and, and and the love for Giants baseball is is at its absolute peak. So, how was life different when you guys came back for the following season? Um, I think we all had a I think we all had an idea of of hey, let's do it again, and let's find a way to do it again. But it just didn't really <laughs> turn out the way that we were looking to, to get it done. Uh, I know both of those that, that year and the, the years after some of our – and, and the years after our World Series were never our better ones. It was – we all felt like we came into that spring, those spring training and we were trying to prepare uh, just like we had done in the past, and we were wanting to, to repeat and we were wanting to get a good, good chance to do every to, to make the postseason – and it's just it didn't it didn't work out that way, um, and it was it was frustrating. Uh, it was definitely frustrating because you felt like, well, wait a minute, we did it last year. Why can't we do it again this year? And you know, sometimes there's just little things that happen throughout the season. Whether there's um, you know momentum crushers where it's a flare down the right field line or a called strike or certain things that go one way or go the other way that can give you momentum or take away momentum. And that's just kind of the way that the game goes. Uh, it was a good individual year for you. Uh, you make the all-star team again, but again, you do not get to pitch. Now this time you're healthy, but if I remember it was just because you had started right at the, the end of the first half. So you wouldn't have had enough rest to, to get in the game. Did, was that frustrating at all? What, what happened that year? Yeah, I mean, that was part of it. And, and you know, I might have gotten – I think I got a little bit of a nod that year. Um, I felt like I, I earned it, um, but I think Boach probably helped out that year um, just being because, uh, you know, he was the manager, so he got to pick guys. Uh, so I might have had a little bit of favoritism on that side. You know, I wanted to get his guys in there. But, um, you know, that was kind of just the way – that, that was just the luck of the draw of, of, you know, what I fell into throwing the game before, right before – the 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 all-star break and you know so i was the same i was honored to be there right as the following year is starting before we get to the baseball and 2012 was amazing for you for so many different reasons but before the season starts or actually i think it was a little bit in maybe a few days into the season uh you signed the contract extension fans are thrilled they're relieved what what was that process like for you uh, it was long. I mean, it started it started around New Year's um, and, and and went out until into yeah until almost the season had started. Uh, you know, it was it was a fun a fun experience, but it wasn't um, always the most enjoyable because it's just the business side of it. 
So it wasn't always like, hey, you're doing great and you're doing this. It's like, hey, well, you know, this is the reason that we want to give you this amount or, you know, so it's like, all right, wait a minute. Is my own team telling me certain things about myself that yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to hear? But that's part of it. Uh, and that was something that uh, I had to learn. And, and I was I was I was happy to go through it. And I try not to take it personal because of trying to take the emotion out of it. And I, uh, you know, I felt like I felt like we both came to where we needed to, and we were more than that. We wanted to stay in in the city, uh, and that was that was our that was our goal. We we really really did want to to stay in the city, and we wanted to stay with the team because of um, the ability to try to play a complete career with one team. And we had so much fun, uh, obviously, in 2010, and started to see the run that we could be on. Um, I wanted to be I wanted to be a part of it. So that was a thought, even at the time of a contract extension, in the back of your mind was, I want to play my entire career in one uniform. Yeah, I, I really did. I, I, had, um, I, I, I really, I really, I really enjoy uh, showing loyalty to someone who has taken a chance on me and uh, who, who helps me out. I, I, I felt like that was, um, I don't know, it's just kind of, of who I am. And um, I'm glad I was. I'm glad I was able to. I'm glad they were able to uh, pick me out and give me this opportunity. And in a way, I wanted to be able to. I don't know if it's returning it, but I wanted to. I wanted to be a part of the, the Giants organization. I saw the how they have treated people um, when they were when they were done playing and retired. And uh, it was. It looked. It looked like something that I. I wanted to be. I wanted to partake in for sure. Well, and I give you a lot of credit, too, because we watch this in sports all the time where somebody, and I don't know, sometimes it, it could just be coincidental, but uh, somebody gets a, 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 a big contract and they relax or their numbers suddenly change. They're not uh, the same pitcher. You went out and you had your absolute best season yet. So, um, and maybe you just spoke to it, talking about your desire to show loyalty to people. How did your motivation stay at that peak, even after you had already signed? Um, I and it, it falls back a little bit into um, what Boach had talked to me about in 2008. But I was determined to try to get the max out of whatever my ability was, and I wanted to find out what that was. Uh, I didn't believe that I was ever really tired enough. Um, in between starts, I felt like I could run a little bit harder or do um, or, or, or fine tune my pitches or, or, or all that stuff. So I was constantly wanting to work um, at the game and find out that if, if I could max out my ceiling. Um, and I felt like I did. I, I definitely felt like I did. And I wanted to, I, I, I wanted to enjoy that. Uh, and I wanted to, to be able to find out if, if that was going to happen. Yeah, and man, what a what a year unfold uh, home opener. I'm going to skip ahead of June 13th for just a second because we've been talking about the All Star game, and uh, not only do you make it again, but you're the your starting pitcher. So, what did that mean to you? That was, I mean, that was probably the biggest honor um, I felt like I could have gotten uh, is to be able to to, to start. To start an all-star game, it was 
uh, it's obviously something that, that, that doesn't come along very often at all. Uh, just to be able to get the opportunity to play in the All-Star game uh, doesn't come along very often. And then to be able to have the chance to, to start one, uh, I took it with I took it with great honor, and I wanted to um, not go over, not go out there and just use it as a um, as a as a game to to go out there and, and have fun. Like I took it very serious, and I wanted to go up there and throw up zeros, and uh, somehow did. Yeah, you did. I know the the first hitter was Jeter, though, right? And he got a hit. Did that mm-hmm. did that kind of that throw some hey, butterflies in there? I mean, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, you you know what you know what's coming up next. I mean, it's just an unlimited amount of power. Um, so it was uh, it was definitely it was definitely something that was like, all right, hey, you better lock it in because this is now it's really really coming. I mean, you got to face you got to face Jeter to lead it off, and then everybody behind that is no is, is coming after you and uh, you know they're not just swinging to get singles they're swinging to embarrass you uh all right let's uh let's go back to june 13th and uh and talk this out take me to the bullpen before the game does it just feel like any other day yeah it really does i mean it, it, it didn't it didn't feel like anything out of the ordinary and uh it was just uh it was just another day um it didn't. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't have any. Didn't have any crazy feeling leading into it, uh, or or even after my warmups. Uh, I'm always fascinated when there are no hitters when your team also has a big lead, and there's something poetic about this. The guy who never gets run support that day, they, they, you guys couldn't stop scoring. I think it's seven nothing after three innings. So, isn't the pitching approach? In a moment like that, eh, just just throw some strikes and let him hit it. Uh, no, I mean it wasn't for some reason. I had just gotten into it, you know, right from the beginning, and I somehow didn't fall out of that groove. There's so many times where you can get into a groove, uh, maybe the first couple innings, and all is what you're doing, and you get yourself out of it, and you're like, oh man, really? And so it was, uh, it was just one of those days to where I, I don't know. I, I, I was a part of it, but I don't, I don't necessarily remember a lot of it because I was just, I was just kind of there. And it, I actually was talking to somebody about it the other day and it was almost like when you're driving, you know, down the road and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, where'd the last 10 miles just go? Like, you're just kind of, you're there, but you're kind of you're out of you're, you're you're zoned out and it's just it's just a part of it i mean when the seventh and the eighth and the ninth inning came around um i knew that obviously i had no hitter going but it was like still just slowly chugging along and part of the moment and and uh, not trying to just not thinking that i had to do anything different it was just like stay on course keep going keep doing what you're doing and um and it was Man, that was a that was a fun night, and I was actually I didn't really <laughs> I watched it I watched it later uh, a handful of years later, and it was to hear the energy kind of just brought a lot of it back. You didn't watch it until years later. Yeah, yeah, it took a it took a handful of years later to actually go back and watch it. Huh. I feel like I want to watch that the next night. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I and maybe I should have, you know. I mean, maybe I should have. 
I mean, it's amazing how many guys talk about, you know, some of the, 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 the top moments, uh, memorable, iconic moments that are created. And it's amazing how often uh, what you just shared is shared, that there's, there's almost some other place that you go and you either don't, you don't visually remember it or, or you stop hearing things. Like, like you talked about the energy of the crowd when you looked back at it. Did you not hear it that night? I did, but it probably, like it's, it probably felt like a a, nor, a a game that I had been a part of um, before. But when you go back and you watch it, you can hear that there's a def, there's just a different level of an intensity in that game that brings it back to like some of like how the playoffs were. It there's just something going on, and it's it's uh, it, it's there. You don't really understand why, um, but it is there. How would you describe the chemistry you and Buster had that night? He was the one mixing everything up. I was just trying to toss it to him. You know, he did he did everything. Uh, you know, I I I never shook him off. He called every pitch, and it was full trust that he knew what he was doing, and we were we were going. And it was I wasn't I wasn't worried that I wasn't worried about any pitch that he he put down. I was more than happy to throw it and i believe that i was going to execute it and um man that's a it's a fun night yeah yeah you know you mentioned the seventh eighth and ninth is that when you start sort of realizing what's going on yeah it definitely was and it was more of it was more of in the sixth inning when i thought snyder took me deep um he hit the ball to left field and it was i mean pagan says that it went over and it came back um, and I and I wouldn't doubt if it did with the way that, yeah. with the way it is there, but but Melky, you know, kind of half jumps it, catches it, and then it was like, wow, this is this is real, like this is what's going on, uh, and let's let's try to take advantage of it because you can start to see that things are going the, the way that you always hope they did to try to throw a no hitter, um, and that's kind of really all I was thinking. I was thinking no hitter in my mind, and then of course. You start that seventh inning, and and right as you're maybe receiving those emotions, uh, here here comes Jordan Schaefer and and a three-two pitch. What did you think when the ball came off of his bat? Um, I thought it was I was like, all right, it's an out. Then I turn around, I'm like, well, no, never mind. There's nobody there to catch it. <laughs> Not an out. Right. And then, I mean, and then Blanco just comes out of nowhere. So King, who hasn't walked anybody, listening to that crowd. Here's the 3-2 pitch on the way, and it is driven to right center field. And this is hit out into the alleyway. On the move, Blanco. A long run for Blanco. Sprinting back, Gregor Blanco reaches out. And Blanco's going to dive. Diving! He caught it, and he makes the catch! What a play by Gregor Blanco. Just an unbelievable catch here in the seventh inning. And that's when you start to think it might happen. And it was just, it was like amazement, really. It was more of like, wait a minute, that that really just happened? Like it was, it, it, yeah, you, you did, I didn't see it coming. I definitely did not see it coming. Um, it's funny because you combine that with what Pagan shared with you from the inning before. I would think it's difficult in that moment not to think, okay, what's going on here? Like, I, am I in a movie? What the, like, there's magical stuff going on. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, you're like, hang on a second. This just this can't be possible. And that was where that was where I was saying is like, I never got that. I never thought that. So I just kind of kept going along. Um, and it took me until you know later on, and probably not until I was done playing to actually realize like a lot of stuff that happened during the game from watching it. Hmm. What was the ninth inning like? Um, I mean, it, I went into it trying to think of like, hey, just just keep doing what you're doing. You know, there's nothing that we need to change, and that was from from previous experiences of getting into the ninth inning and trying to feel like you needed to add another uh, another gear and uh, try to find ways to make a, the close out the ninth inning in some spectacular fashion or whatnot. And it was like, wait a minute, no, I just I just need to get out. Like, let's let's keep getting out, and you know, we'll see what happens. Let me put my best uh, ability. Let me try to challenge the hitter as best I can. And if it happens, it's going to happen. And now, Giants fans are just losing their minds. One and two. Kane with that look of determination. Starts his windup. His one-two pitch is grounded toward third. Arias has it. Stumbles. Throws to first. And he did it. Matt Kane is the first pitcher in the 128 years of the Giants franchise to pitch a perfect game. My goodness, what a night for Matt Cain being mobbed by his teammates on the field. History tonight here in San Francisco. Amazing. What a moment for Cain, for Posey, for Dave Rigetti, for Matt Cain's Giants teammates who are embracing him just to the third base side of the mound. He's hugging everybody. 27 up and 27 down. Matt Cain blew away the Houston Astros tonight, and he has pitched the first ever perfect game in the history of the Giants. You had flirted with a no-hitter. I mean, it seemed like at least once a month you were you were toying around with it at that point in your career. So when when it actually happens, and by the way, it's a perfect game. Like you you actually do get over the top. What what are the emotions? How is that different than you know a one-hitter? Um, it, it's finally like, hey, I finally did. I finally threw a no-hitter. I'd always wanted to do it. I had always wanted to throw a no-hitter as a kid. I'd never done it. Uh, I had come so close in so many, uh, so many times, maybe in high school or in, in the minor leagues or in the big leagues. And then, like, wait a minute, like, I finally threw a no-hitter. And then Amy G interviewed me in the dugout. She goes, oh, no, that you, you threw a perfect game. And I'm like, what? You know, I was like, wait a minute, like, I did, didn't I? And it was like kind of a shock um, that it all, yeah, it finally hit me because I, had to, I honestly, if she, I, if she hadn't said it to me, I might not have realized it. That's unbelievable. I don't know that I knew that. You didn't know until after the game over, the, the game was over, that it was a perfecto. No, you don't ever think of that. I mean, that's like that's so far fetched as a kid. <laughs> And and from the game, you're like nobody's ever really trying to throw a perfect game. They're like either I'm in three two in the bottom of the ninth in the World Series, or I'm in the ninth inning and I'm like this is a no hitter. You don't ever say oh I got a perfect game going. 
you know? So, it was, oh. yeah, it was, it was definitely surreal. <laughs> and then where does the night go from there? What was postgame like? Did you share uh, a conversation or two with uh, with Blanco or anyone else? I, I do remember the press conference where you looked at, at, at Gregor and you're like, what, what were you, where, where'd you come from? But were, were there any private interactions as well? Uh, I don't think there was anything that night. I mean, it might have been we might have we might have talked about it later on, but it was just. I still think that we we both. I don't know. It's almost like he just he just was like, no man, that's not a big deal. It wasn't a big deal. It was it was weird. He was almost like, no, like I felt like I should have caught that ball all day long, and that's what that's what Blanco was like. He felt like he should make plays like that all the time, and. Um, I, I would say probably the cooler things is when, when we when when I finally said that I was retiring, it was in Arizona and he was in he was over he was playing with the Diamondbacks, and they they announced something over the over in the stadium and Blanco and I you know just kind of a, it was just like he was on the other side kind of just that nod, just that connection you know he and I will always be connected together and you know it, he's just an awesome guy awesome player and it was. Uh, Man, it was, it, you know, just little moments like that that I'll always remember. That is really cool. That is really cool. Didn't you do something for the entire defense too? Did you did you get everybody something after that game? Yeah, for the guys that were on the roster, we did. Uh, I did watches for them. They were engraved with the uh, with the the perfect game date and stuff on the back of them. And uh, and it was declared Matt Kane Day. Do you celebrate this every year? <laughs> I try to. I really, really try to, but um, you know, I don't have a whole lot of pull on that, so um, it doesn't. It doesn't really work out that way. But you know, hey, it's worth a try. Right. So, yeah. You don't. You don't tell the family like, no, I'm not lifting a finger today. It's Matt Cain Day. Yeah, I mean, I've tried, but for some reason, they're just like, who cares? Right. Like, yeah. You know, not a big deal. Yeah. No, it's Tuesday, actually. Yeah, no, make me some cereal. Right. Oh, gosh. Uh, Well, of course, this is all tracking toward, uh, of course, another playoff run that that in many ways, um, I don't know if it's as memorable as 2010, but it was just different. Uh, The the Pence speech in Cincinnati, the rally, and you ended up that year just being – randomly the the closeout guy you get game five in cincinnati what what were your emotions going into that situation you know i think it was that i think it was payback a little bit of me being like please 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 don't make me pitch in philly in 2010 (laughs) i don't really want to do this year you know and then it was like oh well you don't want to pitch in one game in philly well you know what i'm going to give you every game that really has a lot of emphasis on it and uh, man, it was nerve-wracking. It was very, very nerve-wracking. That was those were so nerve-wracking leading up to those games. Uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't wait for them to start so I could actually take my mind off of all the awful scenarios um, that could have happened. How I was going to try to get out of them. So once you finally get moving and throwing your bullpen, warming up for the games, I'm like, oh, finally, it's a relief because now my brain is not stuck on all of these scenarios that are going you know, through your mind of what you need to do if you get in this situation or that situation. It's amazing. I mean, I think we, we look at, at pro sports and the athletes or, you know, you guys are, um, you know, if you're a kid, you're looking at a pro athlete and it's like they're, they're your hero and, and, and you guys go out there and, 
and obviously have such gifts, I don't think we think of it like it actually is. In other words, how nervous you guys do get and, and the thoughts that do go through your minds. I have a friend uh, who used to play in the NFL. He told me that he was so nervous before every game he would throw up before almost every game. Like what, what, what happened pregame before you're going out for a, an elimination playoff game? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely a lot of nerves. And it's either your stomach, your stomach decides to say, hey, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nod up or I'm not going to nod up. And it was, uh, you know, how that goes. So it's like, it's, it's um, I don't know. It was, it was part of it. For the longest, I always was worried about, worried about that. And I started to kind of embrace it as being like, hey, you know what? My body knows what's about to happen. My body knows what's, what's going on. And I wasn't scared about about all that part. I, I didn't I didn't mind all the nerves. Um, I would would just be like, hey, you know what? This is part of what happens to get prepared for it. And you know that's 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 how my body was ready to go out there and compete. And um, that it was just kind of its routine. It had its own routine as long as I had my own routine of getting ready. Um, and I didn't really get to partake in how my body sometimes decided it was going to be. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And then yeah. you're right back, uh, yeah, <laughs> like a, a, a week and a half later, the, the scenario repeats itself. You guys rally and you get game seven against the Cardinals. Was that one a little bit more comforting just because you were at home or, or how did that one compare? Uh, I think it was just as, uh, it, I, I would say yes, a little bit less. Because it was comfortable being at home. Um, I mean, it's always, it's always, it definitely is nice to be at home. And uh, I, I would, I would appreciate pitch, pitching in our ballpark over pitching in St. Louis, mm-hmm. uh, and definitely over having to do Cincinnati again. Um, so it was nice to be at home. And we were coming off such a good night the night before and the night before that, um, coming from St. Louis. So it was, it was such a good momentum roller that I felt like if, Hey, we can get a little bit of it going in the first inning or so. Uh, we, we had a lot of things going in our direction because it was such a, it was such a, 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 a scratch and claw game and a series against Cincinnati and a little bit of the games with St. Louis were a little bit lopsided back and forth. They might've been close in the numbers, but they didn't feel that way. Um, even when you were participating in them. Uh, when Scudero is out there staring at the sky in the in the rain, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> please, please don't drop it, you know, uh, <laughs> because it was like, you know, some weird thing. Like, don't, you know, don't don't lose it, and uh, you know, because it was it was the same situation where I think Romo said it. It was like, there's no reason that we should have finished that game, um, but it was a playoff game, and it was who knows how long we would have had to sit there, and it was find a way and find a way to finish the game. And, you know, it was probably not under optimal conditions. And I bet if the game had been a little bit closer uh, score-wise, they probably would have looked at, you know, trying to make it a little bit of a break in there and see if we could could push it back. But um, it was it was a huge relief when that ball finally came down and, you know, Scooter caught it. Uh, you also started the – 
frigid game four in Detroit, which ended up being the decider of that World Series in extra innings. Take us through that night. Uh, it was freezing, and it was windy, and it was like, how am I going to even hold on to the ball? Uh, <laughs> and I was trying to just uh, – I was trying to, to think of, of ways to not have Verlander pitch again. So it was like, you know, slightly and subtly – throwing that out there, you know, before I kind of went in my routine of, uh, guys, hey, you know, don't just go out there and chalk it up. We're, you know, we're, we're up three to nothing here. Um, you know, let's go ahead and get this thing over with. I don't think we want to go back and, and face the big boys again. Uh, you know, so it was, it was definitely a, a battle from the very beginning, and it was fun. It was fun to be able to be in that because you, you always see so many games, like, you know, up in New York, you know, their whole run where it's like freezing and you're having to deal with the elements along with the game. So uh, it just added another level of excitement to it. Uh, so many uh, tremendous moments uh, that, that were created that year and, and, and certainly more ahead. I, I do wonder a couple of years later, what was it like to uh, to be on the team and, and win a ring, but you're, you're suffering with injuries and, and not with the team in the end when they – when they win in Kansas city, what was that whole experience like? Yeah, luckily I was kind of, I was starting to be able to do a lot of things, uh, physically, whether I was, uh, doing, you know, fake simulated throws or whatnot. So I feel like if I'd been in the early part of, of my surgery there, it would have been really, really difficult, but I had enough things going on that were distracting me, uh, that, that I, was able to I was able to enjoy it um, but it definitely it definitely still even now I mean it definitely it, it, 2014 I know that I I had some help in it but it was like definitely I didn't feel like I had um, that one doesn't mean as much to me as the 2010 or 2012 wow. um, you know and it was just that's just that was part of it. I enjoyed every bit of it because I got to watch so many guys go through it for their first time. I got to watch Bum do what he did. You know, so it was like I loved that, but there's just a special moment. There's special the two thousand ten and twelve just have a different, you know, different meaning to me than the two thousand fourteen did. Um, I think that makes total sense. It makes total sense. And it is also I mean, it's the beginning of the next phase of your career, which uh, you know, which was a struggle at times it was a struggle with uh, with injury the team um you know is not obviously winning any more championships the rest of the way as as you move through those years and then come to grips in 2017 with the decision to retire i'd imagine that's very difficult what 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 was that like what what went into that decision um realizing that I had I had done all that I could in the game physically. That was the hardest thing for me to come to grips with, um, that I wasn't able to physically do the things that I needed to do, uh, and I saw myself mentally do it. wasn't translating. What I was picturing in my head wasn't coming out the same way, um, physically so that took me a while and it definitely did and there was there were definitely a lot of injuries I think that could have been avoided um, if I hadn't have been so stubborn of trying to 
get myself back and if I had listened a little bit more to what my body was trying to tell me. Um, and, you know, it, it's sad to say that that's what happened, um, but it was also things that I needed to go through to, you know, as a man, um, as a husband, you know, as a father to, to my girls. Like, I, I needed that as well. I know that I didn't want to go through it um, because of, I felt like I had a duty to the Giants, to the fans, to everyone to live up to what my contract was. Um, but when I kind of realized that there was another purpose, another meaning to what I'm going through, uh, it gave me a lot of clarity and it gave me a lot of ability to enjoy the 2017 season as I was still trying to decide on, hey, if this is going to be my last year or not. You know, I know after that you, you got away for a little while, but uh, you were around a little bit last year. I know you've insinuated that you, you might come out to the yard a, a, a little bit more often in the future. Is that your plan? Is that something you think about? Yeah. No, I, you know what? I've always enjoyed, I've always enjoyed trying to, um, to, to help the learning curve for guys. Uh, I know that so many guys did that for me, and I would love to translate that back to uh, guys that are in the in the same situation uh, of trying to find ways to you know max out their potential and max out their ability. Uh, so I enjoy part of it. I enjoy the teaching part of it. I listening to what guys uh, are feeling and whatnot, and that's kind of where being able to a little bit of run full circle of how the game and my career went, I'm able to, uh, to relate to a lot of different guys. And I'd like to be able to, you know, give that back and, and talk with guys about what they're going through. Pretty memorable career, man. And, and, and it, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about how in retirement, it sounds like you're, you're able to get a little bit more reflective. And, and so when you look back on the idea of, of Kane Lincecum and Bumgarner, I mean, this is, this is this is a pretty incredible trio and the best Giants era ever, and fans are going to remember the three of you forever. How how does how does that make you feel? How do you process that? You know, I probably <laughs> I don't know. I, I probably won't ever look at it that way, um, and I think that's just me trying to keep myself in check uh, and not believe that. And, and actually trying to, to grow, uh, you know, I think there's tons of ways that I can grow as a person. And it's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I don't know that I'll ever realize it. I, I, I might not ever realize it because I'll always sit there and think that Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz and all these guys, you know, were so much better because uh, those were guys that I looked up to. But, you know, maybe that's what's going on, like with what you're saying is, as fans, they got to sit there, and teammates, they got to sit there and see, uh, you know, what we what we did as a group or what we did as a as three of us. You know, uh, back at the time of signing the extension, you you admitted it was it was a goal to uh, to spend the entire career in one uniform, and it was a goal that was that was realized. And I know you know that that, that very few athletes get to do that. So, what does that mean to you now that uh, now that you look back on it? It's almost, it's, it, I mean, it's almost like really you, you can't put the, the words on it or describe it. Um, but I think it's just a huge, it's a huge honor on, on both sides of it. I'm just glad that they, 
Um, they thought that highly of me um, and kept giving me chances throughout so many situations um, that they would they would hold on to it and they would respect um, things that I had done in my career. Um, and that was the that was what I kind of that's what I felt on the way back, you know. So I thought it was very mutual on 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 how I was treated, and I felt like I wanted to be able to to treat them the same um, in retrospect. Matt, uh, what a what a great ride! My my goodness, uh, really fun to uh, to have this conversation with you, and uh, I know that uh, the, these memories you created are so so cherished for Giants fans of of this era. Thank you very much for doing this. No, no, I'm more than happy to do it, and um, man, it's actually fun to kind of sit there and think back on it because sometimes you don't really some of the some of the moments don't really come up until somebody brings them up to you. So that's where it's nice actually to now is not being surrounded by baseball all the time um, to actually have conversations with people about like, hey, I was at that game. And you're like, really? Where were you? And then you're like, wait a minute. Now you're living it through them again. Um, so it's actually fun. It's really actually fun to be able to go back and talk about it, not being so uh, worried about because you're surrounded by the, the game. So it's, it's actually been fun to hear everybody's uh, scenarios and their stories about where they were, what happened in, in different years. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Oh, definitely. Thanks so much for listening to Inside Giant Moments, presented by T-Mobile. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review and share the podcast with your friends and family. For more exclusive conversations, subscribe to the Inside Giant Moments podcast, presented by T-Mobile, now.